my little crosscut looks like really good on this cigar. Excellent. Yeah. My looks, guillotine uh, looks pretty nice on this cigar too, and I like the uh, the flavor of the wrapper. Um, oh yeah, yeah. This is Nate, and we got Mike here, and we're gonna light us up a La Gloria Cuba Cubana Serie R. Sounds like you're having some issues, dude. Yeah, it sounds like I am because guess what? I am, but I'm full up on the fluid. This thing's supposed to be windproof. I, and I just smoked a cigar earlier today. You do really. What do you uh, what do you smoke? Well, not this one. Um, there, let me get the. Uh, I got. I saved the wrapper. It was a Gurkha though, and oh. it was a um, aged eighteen years Gurkha Cellar Reserve. So blend strength ninety eight, restricted release, authentic mark of honor. I don't know what it was. Um, it was a little short, little one. And actually, you know what? I was going to ask you um, because I remember we talked on uh, episode one about kind of like admitting mistakes and things. Uh, so I was going to ask you. Uh, this one was tapered at both ends, okay? And one end was like more uh, open, and one end had kind of like a twisty little butthole thing going. Like, mm -hmm. a, like a pigtail thing going. Mm -hmm. Which end am I supposed to light? I'm pretty sure that if the torpedo is kind of bulleted off, the, the flatter end that had the butthole is what you're supposed to cut off. And then the other side, assuming that it was flat, you're supposed to light that end. Well, I smoked that one backwards then. <laughs> Yeah, you're supposed to cut off the fat end of the teardrop and light the. the but it was it was tapered so much on both sides. Like Interesting. Well, it, was, it was tapered on one end. Well, that's what I thought. Like the both ends kind of look the same. It's not like there's a filter on these things. Um, it's not like they you know orient the tobacco leaves a certain way uh, within them. They probably do. They might. We're gonna we're gonna get uh, you know callers. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can call Mike's uh, personal cell phone. Five 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 nice ashes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I got mine going, so. Perfect. I had no issues. Well, you are also inside. I am inside. So initial thoughts. Uh, as you mentioned before, I like the taste of the wrapper. Very good. Starts off uh, spicy and a little acidic. But. Yes, I like it so far. I'm about, I don't know, 10 puffs in. And it's already good. It's already uh, on the plus side of life. Yeah, and I was going to say, like, this one, <clears throat> I think where I bought it, it was maybe 14 15 bucks. Oh, okay. So, a little, a little higher than I normally spend. I know it had a cigar aficionado rating at 92 or something like that. It was, uh, 
It's a very good cigar. I like them. Now, who are those guys and what do they do? Cigar aficionado. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm just yeah. kidding, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are we talking about tonight? Okay. Well, do you want to start off with our main topic or do you want to talk about uh, some uh, black on black violence that was televised on national tv yeah let's start with that uh i guess that's what everybody's talking about uh by the time this episode comes out it'll be a little bit older news but that's okay that's okay people will probably still remember maybe yeah so my wife and i watched it live and um we you know i guess like the initial live thing was um Chris Rock uh, made a joke at the expense of uh, Will Smith's wife, who, uh, well, we'll get into more of that stuff later. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, Will appeared to enjoy the joke, laughed at it until Jada leaned over and explained some stuff to him. He then got up and very like, I don't know, almost strolled up um, on stage. So I was under, I was thinking like, oh, he's going to get up there and like rib him back. I mean, maybe these guys are buddies. I don't know. I don't really follow the private lives of uh, celebrities. Uh, so I had no idea. And then it was just, you know, the slap. And then he like sat back down. And then our broadcast kind of was like cutting out because I think, uh, you know, it's on a delay, of course. So they weren't sure how much to show the American people because we're sensitive. Um, but I've since now today, I've seen unedited uh, what Will was shouting at Chris and, and stuff like that. And I think just my initial thoughts are, I think that uh, Chris Rock handled himself very nicely, very well, uh, very professional. Um, I mean, he's a comedian. He gets paid to make fun of people. Um, sorry that your, you know, Will Smith's wife has a disease and, and didn't like getting made fun of. Um about that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm type one diabetic since I was four and I've certainly been made fun of, uh, all the time, you know, even with friends or, uh, you know, people that know I'm diabetic, they're like, oh, are you sure you can eat this dude or whatever? It's like, dude, I'm, you know, I'm an adult. Like, leave me alone. I never uh, made fun of any diabetic people, I guess, when I was a child. I, I know kids can be cruel. You make fun of me all the time, but not because I'm diabetic. Yeah, not because you're diabetic. Other other things that are, uh, you know, ridiculous. But uh, I had Smoking a conversation. Smoking a cigar backwards. <laughs> Oh my! No, I I remember in uh, high school there was this kid and he was kind of dumb and he was uh, he had a crush on this young girl, being high school girl. We were all in high school at the time, and uh, he's like, "Oh, I don't know if I want to date her. She's got diabetes. And she was a type one diabetic." And I looked at him like, I said to him like, "What does that matter at all?" Yeah. <laughs> Even in high school, it's like, we're in high school. What, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're just going to go out and have some fun. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> and even if you don't and she's the one, uh, it still doesn't matter, you know? No, no. But that's, I mean, you know, talking about a, a dumb kid named Schilling, right? Yeah. So, so I have And, not and you saw it this morning or you looked into it this morning. This I um, looked into it this morning, yes. And... uh it's very interesting. I, I thought of a quote when I saw it, and it's a kind of a negative quote. Uh, yeah. But it's, uh, the modern woman wants the rights of a man, the privileges of a woman, and the responsibilities of a child. Sounds uh, about right. 
and in that in that case for this instance yes for this yes. instance that pretty much sums it up uh yeah, I you mean, know she certainly she could have gotten up and slapped him you know she I mean, will smith wasn't even really like he wasn't even involved in the joke other than you know the joke was made at the expense of his wife who's made right. a joke of their marriage um she uh didn't want to take it on the shin and uh you're a celebrity and a rich person yeah, and, and if you're not, you get made fun yeah. of all the time. Anyone does. You know, go right. by the, my wife and I were talking, I'm like, hey, you want to get made fun of? Uh, go to work, you know, go to school. Um, go anywhere there's people and try to sure. talk to them, you know. Get, chances sure. are you'll be made fun of. Um, well, you know, and the better thing that Will could have done is instead of, um, you know, I mean, so here's kind of like the, the fine line, right? What Will Smith did is legally assault. Um you know, the venue should have kicked him out immediately for that. I mean, if, if I walked across a restaurant and slapped somebody, you can bet they'd have the police there to escort me out of the establishment. Absolutely. You know? um, so they should should have done that. Um, legally, it's assault. Uh, but I was, I was talking with my wife and, I, you know, it's just like, it, it's a slap. You know, uh, Chris Rock decided he's not pressing charges. And I feel like that's the bigger, bigger person thing to do uh, because it's a slap, you know, like, OK, he slapped me. Let's move on with life. You know, it's not uh, not didn't seem like it was a, a devastating blow to Chris Rock's ego like it was to, you know, Jada's. But No, and Chris Rock, I've been watching Chris Rock for, well, since I was in high school, 20 years, and he's. You know, with, through his comedy specials and his uh, public persona, he seems to be a pretty enlightened uh, guy. I'm guessing that it didn't bother him a whole lot. Yeah, you know, personally, I mean, he was... it didn't bother him a whole lot that Will Smith uh, was being uh, weak and childish. You know. Yeah, and if anything, <laughs> like it helps, it helps Chris Rock's ratings. You know, I mean, I'm sure he didn't. He wasn't trying to bait getting himself slapped, but. You know, I mean, I like making jokes, but the goal of my joke is never to, to you know, have someone slap me. No, no. And a lot of that uh, sort of comedy in those gigs is uh, a roasting. So. Yeah, that's what you expect a comedian to do. You come, you go to a comedy show, you're the only one wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Guess what? He's going to make some Hawaiian shirt jokes, you know. Potentially, like, you, yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if that's I mean, the type of humor. Um, but you should know what you're getting into with... Uh, Chris Rock. Yeah, so. that's like going to go see uh, Don Rickles and thinking that he's going to be your best friend or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of that. I don't really have any more thoughts on it other than, um, you know, Will Smith's acceptance speech after and then he won, you know, best actor and he was talking about peace and love and everything. And I was kind of like, you know, that's it's not this it's not the same level, but it's almost like if um, if Putin came out now and said, you know what, guys, war crimes are bad and war is bad and we should love everybody. Um, you know, it's one of those actions speak a little louder than words type of thing. Well, it's exactly like the United States saying that sort of thing. Yeah. That's so, tough, you know. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, that's that. <laughs> uh, I think the better way it to is. handle it would have to have not slapped anybody. And then in your acceptance speech, uh, just kind of said like, hey, man, I don't appreciate that joke. Um, you know, it's not really fun, fun or funny to make make light of people's medical conditions and then leave it at that. You know, I mean, then you don't have to like politicize in your acceptance speech. You can talk about something relevant. Sure. And you don't look like a, you know, total jerk face, which is yeah. my 
opinion. You it's know, always a plus to not look like a total jerk face. It is usually, you know, but not everybody agrees with me. So not everybody agrees. <laughs> well, we got one controversial topic out of the way. Yes. Um, Let's start the real controversial. Yes, one. and I'm um, kind of like struggling here on my end. It's a little colder now. Um, got a little more wind. Oh, do you? That's unfortunate. So I'm just trying to get this uh, good, good, goodly, goodly lit, um, as they say. Goodly lit. Okay. So I uh, don't watch sports, uh, as as you know. I, I watch bowling. You don't and watch love, the sports ball. I do not watch the sports ball, but uh, the only one I watch is bowling, and I love women's bowling. I like women's bowling uh, significantly more than I like men's bowling, to be honest with you. Which of what? Why? I mean, what's the reasoning? Uh, the reason why I like women's bowling is because uh, currently the men are a lot of two handers, and they're like these superpower players. And they use their physicality to win. And women, because they're limited, have to use uh, finesse and skill and knowledge of the game in order to win. And so now I think uh, I've had some thoughts, too. And I think this will come up again later. Uh, When you say women are limited, are they not allowed to use like certain weights of balls or? Uh, No, women are allowed to use. All the equipment that the men are allowed to use, they're not limited legally. They're limited physically because they're not as strong as men, right? So whereas uh, Norm Duke, who is a 55-year-old professional bowler man, is throwing a 16-pound ball, most women are throwing 14-pound balls. And when you're trying to knock down, you know, 36 pounds worth of pins... Having a bowling ball that's two pounds heavier makes a hell of a lot of difference. And he also throws it faster, you know? Yeah. Uh, so because uh, women can't throw the ball as hard and they can't put as many revs on it and they're throwing a lighter ball, they have to be more skilled with their technique. So if you're wanting to watch bowling for technique, women's bowling is where it's at. That's really who you want to watch to learn. And- and is this yeah. true of all sports, do you think? Like the women have more well, technique? We're going to get into it because okay. I think it probably is true for all sports. So we're going to go back into women's sports past. And we're going to talk about the battle of the sexes. Bobby Riggs and Billie Jean King they made back a movie in 1973. About that. They did. They did. You know, and Bobby Riggs is, uh, you know, a sexist this and that, and he did a lot of promotion. And, you know, that Billy Jean came, came up and whooped his behind, right? That's the story. Well, <clears throat> Billy Jean King was not the first Battle of the Sexes match that Bobby Riggs had played. Bobby Riggs actually played against a woman named Margaret Court, and she was the number one ranked woman player in the world. Bobby Riggs beat her. Bad. 6-2-6-1. He beat her. Later that year, they promoted the Billie Jean King thing. They promoted it. They promoted it. And he lost. You have to remember, Bobby Riggs was an old man. 
at this time. Yeah. And Billie Jean King was at the height of her career. And he lost. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing with sports. I mean, I've seen Rocky 1 and Rocky 2. You know, it's basically, mm-hmm. you know, similar story. Kind Very of, similar. Where it's similar. like you come, you come back and maybe you trained harder than the other person. They didn't take you as seriously the second time. You know, maybe he, he beat one, you know, he beat the number one tennis player. And then he thought, oh, yeah, no big deal. I can beat another one. Sure. Additional information. Bobby Riggs was a degenerate gambler. And it was rumored never proven that he gambled heavily in her favor okay. after he beat Margaret Court. I think her name's Margaret Court. Let's make sure. Yeah, well, she's the one they named that uh, the pavement after that they play tennis Margaret on, the Court. tennis court. Yes, yes. No, so, so what I'm saying is, is that the whole thing was a setup by Bobby Riggs to pay off his gambling debts. See what I'm saying? He, he beat the best woman player. Then he pumped up this second battle of the sexes match, bet against himself, allegedly, yeah. and then lost the match. But I, okay, so here's my question then is, is how much does this actually have to do with gender or sex, right? Because people have been doing that in baseball for forever. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like the players even, they'll, they'll throw certain games because they've got, you know, whatever odds on, on whatever thing. See, and what I my argument is that uh, Riggs could have beat Billie Jean King if he wanted to, even as a 40-something-year-old retired man. And I have a second All right. tennis match to look at. This one happened in 1998. For, for someone who only watches bowling, you sure know a lot about tennis. I know a lot about tennis. Well, <laughs> you know... I, I, I did some research here. I actually did research on all the major sports so that we could talk about it because I think all it's right. hilarious. But we will end on a positive note. I've got at least one thing I want to talk about, but I want to hear your, your second tennis story. And then you tell me. Uh, also, I'm maybe like an inch in mm-hmm. uh, to this cigar now. And it's been really consistent, I think, uh, and really good. It is very consistent, very good. Dark. Kind of yeah. peppery. Yeah, peppery. It's good. It's uh, I'm, I've got a little bit of an uneven burn. I'm trying to correct here, uh, just because of the wind where I'm at. But uh, it's no fault of the cigar. I have a little bit of uneven burn, but it's been steady. Yeah, that's you know, um, kind of and that there. one there's got to be user. Uh, it's mm-hmm. no fault of the cigar. That's user error. It is user error. It is user error. <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right. Second, second tennis story. Second tennis story happened in 1998 with the Williams sisters, Venus and Serena, in 16 and 17. Well, and that's actually very uh, topical because we were just talking about Will Smith, who played their father and won his Academy Award for this role. Yes, it is very topical. That's where a topical show. (laughs) (laughs) And we only rarely use topical creams. Yes, very rarely. But, uh, so in 1998, they played a match against a fella named Karsten Brosh, who was ranked 203. You see, the Williams sisters said back in 1998, because they were the top of women's tennis, and they were teenagers, that they could beat any man outside of the 200. 200. So Mr. Brosh, 
pumped it up. They had a big match. He went out and had multiple drinks and played 18 holes of golf. And uh, he's a smoker, so he's smoking cigarettes all day long, drinking all day long, playing golf. Comes in, smokes Serena, drinks beer, smokes some cigarettes between the matches, smokes Venus. <laughs> I think the first match was 6-1 and the second match was 6-2. And he retired shortly after that. Okay. Did they try <laughs> anyone else outside of well, 200? That's the that's the thing is that um, after that the the Williams sisters kind of left male tennis alone, and uh, a controversy happened a couple years ago where uh, they were trying to make the top tennis players ever, and people were pushing for Serena Williams, and people were like, "Well, she's not as good as any of the male players." They got all upset, and she said that male tennis and men's tennis and women's tennis are not close enough to the same sport. So she has not directly said it, but indirectly said that uh, the men just hit faster, you know. Okay. They hit faster. That's it. And uh, that's, I I mean, the the Williams sisters have beat me at probably every sport ever, but uh, we're not talking about me, are we? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'd beat me at pool. You know, oh. like anything. <laughs> they would probably um, beat me at just about anything. Well, and and do you remember that show? They had this show too. Uh, I don't remember what channel it was on. It was you know late nineties, early two thousands or something. It was called like Average Joe, and they would bring regular people in, or you know, I mean, more or less regular people. There was some kind of screening process. They had to be somewhat fit, um, but they weren't professional athletes or anything by by any stretch, and. And they would bring in football players, you know, professionals, like from the NFL, and they'd bring in, you know, professional other sports, uh, and they would actually play little games against each other, not like a full football match, you know, but they would do uh, like training camp stuff, you know, catch a pass oh, sure. from from uh, Kurt Warner or whoever was big at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was fairly interesting, but I, I do think that if you're an athlete of any kind, you know, your body's just trained differently than somebody who is not very athletic or, you know, doesn't, doesn't do that, isn't trained to listen to their body in that way. Um, Oh, sure. So you have better coordination, I feel, um, more apt to pick things up quicker uh, physically. Any woman that's a member of a tennis club is going to beat me at tennis. I mean, I'm not even going to go to, like, if you go into town and you go to the tennis club, any woman that's a member of that club is going to beat me. Any (laughs) eight-year-old who plays tennis uh, will beat me, you know, I just... Probably. I, I know that I was uh, garbage at racquetball in college and I played every week. <laughs> yeah. I like racquetball. Racquetball is fun. Indeed. So, so okay. I'm going to talk about other sports because okay. um, let's go to soccer. Soccer, the women's soccer team, U.S. women's soccer team. Probably the best uh, soccer team on the planet. I believe they got silver at the last Olympic Games. Okay. Uh, but they, they were getting gold before. They're very good. Uh, exceptional. The problem that I have with them is they sued the U.S. Uh, Soccer Federation, saying that there was uh, gender discrimination in their pay scale. Yeah. And I think I remember that headline. Yes, yes. Well, it's a headline, too. So nobody pays attention. Nobody deep dives. 
Yeah. So well, it's about um, soccer. <laughs> I mean, right? Yeah. No it's offense. About soccer. No offense to any like soccer fans or soccer players. Yeah, but um, yeah, nobody, just, you nobody know, really cares. Uh, growing up where we grew up in the in the Midwest, not a whole lot of soccer clubs. You know, no, it's pretty much baseball, uh, football, and then like cross country or, or track and field. Like you run through the cornfield long ways. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh, the soccer team sued the uh, organization and uh, issue number one, there's not as much money in women's soccer as there is in men's. Yeah. So if there's not as much money, you're not going to get paid as much. Issue number two, before the pandemic, the women made more money than the men's team and they were paid more per game that they played than the men's team, even under the deal that they signed, which was different than the men's. Okay. So where's the disparity, the wage disparity come in then? Is it sponsorships or? Well, the, the disparity is that if the if the men win a game, they win more than the women if they win a game. But the women won more games. Okay. The women also have insurance and a guaranteed salary. So if you add in the insurance and the other benefits and the guaranteed salary, Plus the winnings that they get per game. They made more men, more than the men did per game played. Okay. Because the men only get paid if they win games. See what I'm saying? But the women would have made more if they would have had the men's contract because they won all their games. Yeah. But the they women were have, offered they the would have had more contract. risk. They would have, they would have more had risk. more risk. Right. So the men, the women wanted the basically wanted the men's contract and they were offered the men's contract. But they also wanted their guaranteed salary and their benefits. Yeah, this sounds like a, a similar thing that happened at uh, my place of employment um, a few years back where they, uh, you know, so I work as a, well, I used to work as a sales administrator. So not selling anything, but supporting the sales, the sales guys and girls. And um, uh, the rest of the office was, you know, they're all office uh kind of service side. They don't go and try and sell things. They're not on quotas. Um, you know, they don't have bonuses or commission, um, commission plans or anything like that. Uh, but they get upset when, you know, the sales guys get a big bonus or, or a commission or they hit, you know, like number one in the company, which is a big deal, um, and get a bonus. And then they get all uh, grouchy about it because they think that because they're, you know, servicing these clients, they didn't bring them in. They didn't do the work to, to bring them. They're just in retention, basically, which is still a, a, a good job and it's a, a worthy thing to do. And, and you know, um, but it's not the same as, as working under a quota. And that's why I've never been in sales, like professional sales, you know, because um, I don't want that stress. Um, and some people thrive on it and some people don't. And so you just have to kind of make your make your call. But, you know, there's no way that I could go into my boss and be like, uh, well, okay, so the sales guy, he just got like a million dollars because he landed this huge client. Uh, so why am I not making that? <laughs> you know, like that's not a, that's not a conversation you have. <laughs> right. Well, it gets worse, by the way, Nate. This whole well, story. I'm waiting. I just wanted to, to provide that's, a little counterpoint oh. that it's not necessarily just, just sports. No, it's uh, not just sports. You know. It's not. It's, it's an issue that we have with the, you know, uh, Fear of missing out, right? Like well, people... yeah, and, it, and it's risk versus reward. Like if you want to have a, a very small base or no base and get paid up mostly on commission, uh, then you're going to work a lot harder and you're going to make sure, you know, and, and do that. But if you don't, if you just want to show up to work and work eight to five 
and then be done, you're not going to make the big money. Well, sure. And, well, initially, you know, to bring initially. it back to the uh, women's soccer team, these men all play on clubs, so yeah. they don't need the benefits. It's only a side gig for them. Yeah. But for these okay. women, this is their main job. Yeah. So it makes sense to have a salary and to have the benefits and everything. And I said before the pandemic, because once the pandemic hit, soccer was done. Yeah. They played zero games. Well, I'm Men sure they had zero money. Had just as restrictive um, rules. As much as restrictions like, as everybody else. Well, yeah, as the NFL did, but the NFL has the money to, you know, put in the the dividers and the testing and like they've got just a ton of money. It's the most profitable sporting league ever, you know, the NFL. Uh, sure. So they've got the money to do it and they've got, you know, all these other, the, the big rich owners that have a vested interest in their team playing, you know, so they buy the masks, they buy the tests, they, you know, buy the t- best of the best to make sure all their, all their um, players are ready to go because they lose money if they don't play. Um, I'm sure, <clears throat> you know, and, and so soccer, it's not that it's getting bigger here in the United States, uh, which is cool. Um, but it's still, it's not even as big as like, um, major league baseball, you know? So they just don't have the resources to provide for all the teams and all the players to make sure that they're able to still play games is what I'm assuming. I would assume so too, but, uh, in any case, no games were played. The women still got their benefits and their base salary. Yeah. They're playing no games. So they brought this to court. The court threw out the case. Yep. Because they had no grounds. Because they did make more money per game. Yeah. They signed a different contract. They were offered the men's contract. There's nothing about it that was inherently sexist according to the law. Yeah, or or um, necessarily underhanded if they were given the opportunity to have the men's contract. Um, absolutely. And then and if you would say... And you would say after the pandemic, they were probably paid paid more per game because they played zero games, and they still got their no, base. They were paid more per game before the pandemic, let alone after. And their families had insurance, and there's all sorts of additional benefits to that. Um, yeah. So uh, they lost their suit, but U.S. Soccer still arbitrated it out of court. And allowed them to get $20 million bonus, but only if the men's team would give them that bonus from their prize pool. (laughs) Which is hilarious, because now they put the men's team, who have not made any money playing U.S. men's soccer for two years, on the spot to give the women's team money, who have been making money the whole time. (laughs) <laughs> well, and I, I think, you know, and we can talk about modern political correctness uh, and everything like that if we want to get, you know, really into the weeds here. But I think that uh, by phrasing it that way, it really does an injustice to everybody involved because it's almost like the women are blackmailing the men because if the men say, uh, no, we're not going to give you part of our pot, uh, then then they can be called sexist. You know, they can all be called sexist. They don't they want to said, share anything with women. Yes. Uh, but but I know yes. the facts. The facts back them up. But that's not how the average citizen is going to see it because I just saw the headline and saw that the women's soccer team was suing because they didn't get paid enough. And I said, oh, okay. And then I moved on with my life, you know, mostly because I don't 
I don't really deep dive into a lot of news stories, um, especially ones about sports um, and sports that I don't really watch. Absolutely. And so I think the average, the average American or average news, you know, kind of like reader or consumer uh, isn't going to go down and and read and say, well, actually they're making more. So they'll just jump on the, let's call the men's team sexist bandwagon because it's the easy thing to do. It is the easy thing to do. And And a lot of the arguments. By calling someone else a sexist, then you can't be, you know, that's how it works. Right. Yeah. You, you point the finger first, you know, not thinking that there's, you know, four back at you. Right. Yeah. And Uh, I think, you know, and and we've talked about this too, like you can't have a a disagreement with somebody anymore because it's so much finger pointing and name calling. And uh, it just, our society kind of reinforces that mentality. It is. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. And I've heard the argument and I've watched some of their interviews. Oh, women's soccer is just as good as men's soccer. All this stuff. Well, yeah. Why don't, why don't we make it interesting and have the women's team play the men's team for the money? Well, again, now I I did research, right? Okay, here we go. So the women's team practices against under fifteen boys clubs when they yeah. practice, and so they like what, lose less than less than fifteen people on the on the team, or uh, less no, than fifteen years of age. Less than fifteen years <laughs> of age, and they. I know. Lose. I'm just yes. Okay. <laughs> and this is a common practice for a lot of professional women's teams. Um, yeah, the WNBA actually gets. Uh, like uh, what would it be? Basketball players who never played basketball in college to play against them. Okay. You know, like rec league basketball players in major cities are pretty good. Yeah, uh, but they're not good enough to be NCAA players. But yeah. those are who the women practice against, so they can kind of beat up on them because they can't play against a Division three NCAA team. Yeah, uh, and practice legitimately, and they also ban the men from dunking. By the way, in their practice sessions. Okay. Because there's no woman on the NBA or WNBA that routinely dunks the basketball, yeah, uh, on a ten foot basket. Which I'm not a basketball player. Yeah, um, you know, I'm uh, I'm six six, <clears throat> and I can if I and I don't have I've got maybe like a I don't know two and a half inch vertical maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I'm not very athletic, but I can jump and grab the rim. Um, but you know, like getting the ball over the rim. For me, who and I don't, you know, I don't do any workouts. I don't practice dunking, um, you know. But people look at me like, "Oh, I bet you can dunk it." It's like, well, you know what, dude? It's actually quite a bit harder than it looks to just walk up and dunk a ball on a ten foot hoop. You know, I mean, you have to get enough clearance for the ball too. Like, you have to jump that high. Like, yeah, I'm most of the way there with my arms up, but you still have to jump high enough to get the ball over the edge of the rim. Right. It's it's a skill. You know, it's a skill like any other. But the point is, is that they have these women's leagues um, because they can't, they can't realistically compete against the men. And we're later on, we're going to talk about darts and billiards where the women are beginning to compete against the men and are doing quite well. I think this Uh, might be a good time for me to, to uh, share my thoughts or get your thoughts on something. I think I know where you stand, Um, but It'll be interesting to me. Um, so we watched, or you know, my wife likes to watch the uh, CBS Sunday Morning, um, and they were talking about uh, swimming. They're talking about swimming, and uh, they've got you know trans athletes now that uh, play on on one uh, team or the other. You know, men or women's swim team. Um, 
and things. And so then I just got to thinking, and you know, there's people that are upset about that. They're upset like, oh, well, this used to be a man, but now they're tearing it up in women's because they transitioned to a woman or, you know, like uh, the other way. I don't know. I mean, I, I just kind of like listen in the background because I don't like watching a whole lot of news programs um, either <clears throat> um, because I find most of them just try, and, try to make me angry at, at one, one side or the other. Um, and for sports, you know, and, and even uh, the Oscars. I mean, it's entertainment. It's rich people uh, playing a game or pretending to be somebody they're not, you know, for a movie. Um, but it got me thinking, like, why do we even have men's versus women's? Like, just just have, like, football, okay? And if you're a woman and you want to try out and play football at, at that level, go play football. Go try out. Make the team. Like, do the work to do it. Um, That's the thing, Nate, is that they can and they have had women join teams and quit as kickers. Okay. They have. I, I would have to look it up, but I know at least one team, I think more than one, has had female kickers, but they've never made it past training. Okay. They can't get, they can't take the hit. You know, the, the women don't want to take the hit. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just don't. I mean, rightfully well, so. I wouldn't want to get hit. No, I don't. I don't want to take by, the hit either. Uh, uh, by, by an NFL lineman, <laughs> by a three, yeah, three hundred and fifty pound like <laughs> defensive yeah, a, lineman a massive or something. Mountain of a man who's yeah. trained his entire uh, life to hurt. Or you know what? Like, no, let's just no, no. let's just let's just cut to the chase. I don't want to take a hit from anybody in that physical condition, in that body body weight muscle to to mass ratio. Uh, I don't care if it's a man, woman, child, or, or grizzly bear. I don't want to get hit by something like that. Um, you know, to do it day after day after day, like, I don't want to do that, you know? Um, so I'm not, it's not like a slam on anybody who who can't make it or doesn't want to do it. Um, but no, I, I, my, I sympathize my question, with them because I'm in the same, uh, I'm in the yeah, same boat. And my question then is because I remember when, um, when trans athletes first started gaining, um, public recognition, I suppose, um, or making headlines, um, People are like, well, I'm just going to go and I'm, I'm going to identify as a as a woman and I'm going to, you know, get the women's world record uh, 100-yard dash or something, uh, you know. And, and there's different rules. You can't just go down there and be like, hey, you know, I, I got my, you know, um, Coors Light and my jean shorts and here I am. I'm a woman. I'm ready to run. Uh, you know, there's different uh, things. You know, they were talking like for swimming, they have to have been doing their hormone uh, suppressing stuff for like at least a year um, and everything. But, you know, it just kind of got me thinking like, well, why do we even care if there's men's and women's this and that, you know? Well, the, um, the reason why because, we care is because women who are competitive want to win. Yeah. And, uh, you know, somebody like Rachel McKinnon, who's a cyclist, set a world record as a cyclist at 37. A 37-year-old college professor set a woman's record cyclist cycling record and Rachel McKinnon's a trans woman yeah who was a cyclist for a hobby but there's no 37 year old woman that's gonna come into professional cycling from being a hobbyist to set a world record it's just not possible well uh, maybe well, it's I mean, not it's po possible maybe I mean, so maybe it's movie but it's not <laughs> and realistic. Maybe, maybe it's not possible or realistic now. But I remember when they first started, you know, recording these world records and they thought, man, this world record is going to stand forever. And then the next year it was broken. 
by a sizable amount. I think it was some kind of running at the Olympics, but it was broken by by a, a good chunk of time, uh, at least in in Olympic sprinting, where it could be less than a second. But it's still like, wow, they really blew that one out of the water. Um, but you know, and there's something to be said where it's like, well, if if nobody knows it can be done, then there's nothing to strive for, nothing to try and like push yourself for. Um, but that's, you know, true. it's like, so here's my question then. If according to modern political correctness and everything that men and women are equal, then there shouldn't be men's sports and women's sports. There should just be sports. And I don't, you know, I mean, we have what we've got, um, the major league baseball, we've got minor league baseball, and then they've got, you know, the farm teams and everything like that. Um, I don't remember what all the letters are or anything like that with all the baseball teams. But you you can't tell me that, you know, like the top women's baseball player couldn't play in the minors. She certainly could. She certainly could. But so I have a great example for you because I know bowling. All right. Yes. In in uh, 03, they ended the PWBA tour because okay. it wasn't getting sponsors. So. A lot of these professional women bowlers at the top of their game lost their avenue. Uh, there was one woman named Wendy McPherson. She went over to Japan and competed in the men's bowling tour there. Okay. And she won nine times there. Uh, they have a different style of bowling there, different lane conditions. Yeah. And uh, she was she's one of the greatest bowlers, uh, American women bowlers ever. She's great, right? Uh, yep. Her career was definitely damaged by the ending of the PWBA. Uh, a couple other women played uh, in the men's tour. And one woman won a major. Okay. Uh, and she is was phenomenal. Uh, she destroyed her body bowling on the men's tour, by the way. She's a ball rep now. She okay. isn't really as competitive as a woman bowler anymore. It was just too much, too much bowling for her. Uh, and yeah. then another woman, she won a regular title. And then there's been nine women that have won regional titles uh, since then. And they reinitiated the tour in 2015. So in a 12-year period of time, hundreds of women professional bowlers, two won national titles, one was a major, and nine won regional titles. Okay? Yeah. And that is just not fair to these ladies because they... Uh, yeah. That's really not a fair thing to do to them if you want these women to have a sporting chance at winning. And by the way, the two women that won was Liz Johnson and Kelly Kulig. Liz Johnson's possibly the best woman bowler that's ever lived. Okay. She's incredible. Even with the tour being done for that period of time, those 12 years, she still won like 30 tournaments or 20 some tournaments. You know, she's okay. a phenom on the lanes. So I guess here's a question then. It's truly impressive. Of all the other men that were in those tournaments for that same period of time, um, you know, and you gave the stats on how many women won how many different uh, titles, but how many of the men that went there that maybe were, you know, like not, not the top five or whatever, you know, not the top five bowl, bowlers, but they were there and they were, you know, kind of like the long shot, right? Like, I mean, 
is it kind of the same as like other sports where it's like it's kind of a long shot for this team to beat that team or you know for the this vast person? majority of men who have a PBA tour card never win a tournament. Yeah, so I mean the the, the, the female stats then I mean compared with the average, you know, uh, yeah, everybody wants to be Super Bowl champs, everybody wants to win uh, the big title, uh, but the the fact is that you know a lot of times football players only ever win because they transferred to the right team you know at the right time oh yes absolutely you know it's not necessarily solely their skill like it's not one person that brings them to the the big game uh and bowling is an individual sport you know it's like you're bowling against everybody else but how many bowlers want to win it uh but haven't and what's that ratio versus like the the women's ratio you know, sure. like if, if the ratios are the same in the same sport, then is there a reason to have a men, men's and a women's? The comparison is that uh, there's two bowlers, male bowlers, that have won over 100 titles between regionals and national titles, majors, and PBA 50 events. These guys are in their 60s now. Okay. Uh, their name, I can give you their names, but it's really irrelevant. But there's only two guys that have won 100 tournaments between all of the PBA events available to bowl. Yeah. And they're the best. And these women have won one. Yeah. And they're the best women bowlers alive. Yeah. Right. That's. <laughs> Granted, those women bowlers are a lot better than almost all the men that are out there. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But they're competing at the top of the level in the women's category for a reason. You know, they're just not a six foot two man. Yeah. You know. Well, and you and you you watch uh, if you watch even a little bit of the Olympics, they always do the little feature on, you know, this person's local to our state, and then here's we got some video of them training, or we interviewed them, and here's their training regimen, and, and things like that. And and to compete at the Olympic level, it's that's your life. You know, that is what you do. You train to compete at that level. Um, you know, day in and day out. And that's why most, uh, you know, most football players don't really play past 30. I mean, they're playing well past 30 now in some of the positions, uh, like quarterback, but you know, quarterbacks get hit, but they don't, they don't do a whole lot of running and stuff either, you know? Uh Oh yeah. Uh, Trouble in paradise. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, but I mean, like, that's their entire life. Absolutely. And it's, I have sympathy for them, uh, for the women that have to compete in an environment that they feel is unfair. It's not really about me and what I think. It's about what they think, you know? Yeah. It really is. Well, and, and so I guess, like, just, just to offer a counterpoint or... Some thoughts, uh, because, you know, women are amazing and they can do a lot of things. And I think that, you know, if if right now that they're not able to compete against men in these same these same sports, uh, I think that very soon they will be able to. Um, oh, Nate, they can. You know, I mean, look at women look at, are not banned from bowling against the men. No, no, no. I mean, women I mean, aren't banned against playing in the you know NBA. Women are not banned from playing in the PGA. 
There's never been a woman that's won a PGA title. And they no, are not banned. They can play. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, okay, let's just look at it this way then. Um, if you look at early football, you know, like the er, the first couple of Super Bowls, and they're wearing, you know, like leather helmets. They don't have face guards. Um, and you put, and you just, let, let's say you put them and you make one of the modern football players today. You, you just, you take one and you say, look, you're going to play by the 19, I don't know, 40 rules for football or whatever it might be. That, those are the rules we're using. That's the equipment we're using. There's just no way one of those old football players, I mean, even if they were in their prime, you could, let's say we have time travel, whatever. You get one of those players in their prime and one of the players today in their prime, and there's going to be no contest. There's going to be no contest. There is no way. I mean, we as a, as a, as a, as a human race have been getting bigger and stronger and faster and have been pushing our bodies more, training harder. Um, you know, it started out as, as like a fun thing to do, you know, and now it's, now it's people's livelihoods. And so they, they train and, and people are grow bigger, you know, sport families. They have like sport family legacies, you know, going on now. And I just think that, you know, and you, and you can look at the pioneers, um, and the early settlers and things like they were shorter and we've been getting taller, you know, average Absolutely. on average and there's just no way i i think there's no way to compete um if you go back you know 50 years and and take one of those people one of those athletes in their prime regardless and uh and and use their same rules i mean the rules of the game have changed since then but use their rules give them the advantage uh they're still not going to win and it probably won't even be close well, potentially you know, it depends on, on the I mean, sport, it depends, it, it depends yeah. on the sport uh, and uh, things, but absolutely. I just, I think that, you know, <clears throat> baseball players are hitting the ball longer. Yeah. Farther and they're they even using out. balls that are uh, designed to not fly as far. Like they designed the balls absolutely. to not fly as far um, to make it more competitive. And I absolutely. think that, uh, you know, with the, the amount of women that are athletes and are trying to, you know, break into some of these sports, I think that, eventually it will be the same and there'll be no, there'll be no, um, I mean, gender and sex won't even be talked about. It'll just be, here's these athletes. Um, but I think that because of, of, um, oh, uh, what would you say? The, uh, the makeup, like men have had a head start in, in sports. Sure. For whatever reasons, uh, throughout history, but men have had a, had a jump start, And so, you know, they've, that want to be athletes, then they focus on, on doing that and building it up. And so it's been, you know, decades and, and generations of, of families wanting this for their children. And, and, you know, each successive generation then gets stronger and faster and, and, and whatnot. Well, that's true. And women's sports is, is at now at a level where men's sports was at 67 years ago, in some cases where, uh, you know, baseball players in the seventies were, that was not necessarily their full-time job. You know, if you were not a major star as a professional baseball player, you had another job. Yeah. You had to. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and now they can devote their entire life to in the 80s was the same way. Yeah. And they've yeah. got tra- they all have trainers and team trainers and workout regimens and and proteins and, and other things, you know, that they take. And uh and do. So not steroids. Not not, not steroids. steroids. Um <laughs> Incidentally, steroids are they a sponsor of a? No, no, they're not. They're no, not. they're not. Um, but I, I always I'm just, say I'm rumors just saying, when they, uh, I know what happened at least in Minnesota 
where uh, allegedly some of the football players were getting steroids because they're not they were not tested for steroids. Yeah, uh, at that time, and allegedly some of the coaches were allegedly offering some of their better players steroids. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. Um, so uh, I'll, I'll finish my my thought, and then we can talk about the darts and things. Uh, but I'm eh, probably about halfway through this cigar, and it has been. I think the most consistent cigar we've smoked. Um, it has been. I, I, I don't know about wonderful. ever. I don't know about ever, but um, it, certainly on the show. Certainly um, on the show. Yes. Uh, there's a couple of others that were have been very consistent, and uh, I think we'll smoke those on the show at some point too. But uh, this one is is very nice. I I really like this one. It's consistent, uh, spicy, uh, not too sweet. I've been pairing mine with a uh, drink called Cowboy Coffee. Which is uh, whiskey and Kahlua. Nice. And I'm uh, gonna have to break out some uh, some drinks um, soon. It's just it's not quite warm enough out here. Um. <laughs> oh, I I completely understand. I completely understand. So I'm actually about uh, three quarters of the way through mine. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I'll I'll just say uh, this because uh, I just wanted to be very clear that I am pro women. I love women I, and they're amazing and they can do crazy things. Um, not like, you know, country music singer, crazy things, but, um, you know, so most of the strongest people I know are women, uh, you know, whether that's physically or emotionally or, or um, fortitude, things like that. Um, you know, I've got a almost two year old daughter and I want her to be able to do whatever she wants to do. Um, and I'm I'm curious just because that was going to be my question is, um, should we have men and women's? You know, is that is that fair? Is that actually holding women back because they're not being forced to compete at a higher level? You know, and and if you're telling me that soccer teams and basketball teams are competing against like younger kids or teenagers um, and things, like that's not doing that's not really doing anyone any favors. I mean, really. You know, if you're if you're talking about wanting to compete at a certain level, um, and I think it's true in anything. You know, these are just my thoughts, but anything. If you want to be successful at something, um, there's not really any shortcuts. You know, no, you can't take a shortcut. And I'm not saying that women uh, can't be as good as men at basketball. Uh, if I'm sure you remember John Stockton in the NBA. He was six inches shorter than everybody else, and he was, you know, on the dream team. You know, he was a, a great player. There's no reason why yeah. uh, women couldn't compete, but they're certainly not competing at the same level now. Uh, yeah, or, now or maybe by and large, you know, the majority of them. Um, I'm talking about the elite players. I'm not talking yeah. about middle-of-the-road players. I get – I am – I bowled a tournament this weekend, as you know. I got eighth overall. It was fine. I didn't win. I did better than most of the people there. Uh, I get beat by women all the time, right? I'm not yeah, a professional yeah. bowler. I'm a, just a house bowler that goes and bowls in house tournaments on the weekends. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not, you know, Walter Ray Williams, who is like the greatest bowler of all time. You know, he's won 112 tournaments total. Yeah. Uh, at a professional level, right? Like he, there's not a lot of women on this planet. Uh, 
even at 62 years old, that can beat him. If they, you know what I mean? Not, not if you bowl 12 games, right? One game, sure. Yeah. But in a set, ooh, that'd be hard. He's good. He's very good. And he's not physically uh, back to bringing it back. Uh, physically, his game is not perfect by any means. It's ugly to watch, actually. He does a few things very good, and he's six and a half feet tall, and he does not miss the mark. Yeah. And it's, it looks ugly. There's a, almost every professional woman bowler stylistically does it better than he does. Okay. <laughs> I mean, technically, they're better. Yeah. You know, their so, technical is the, skills is the, are better. <laughs> is, the difference, is the difference then just the physicality? <clears throat> In bowling, it is. No doubt about it. So let's take uh, let's take like I don't know, let's take basketball where it's you know it's a physical sport but it's not like football right you're not getting sure. pummeled, um, and I and I suppose soccer and we you know, we've talked a little bit about the soccer thing but if you took uh, some of the the best WNBA players and replaced the bottom rung of NBA players on a team so it was a mix you know like it was a co-ed team um, would anyone notice any difference? I mean, outside of, you know, looking with their eyes and seeing, but, um, you know, it's hard to say you'd have to, you'd have to try it out. I mean, I think that would be an interesting, um, I would say yes. Interesting study. I would say yes. At this point in time. Yes. If you took, uh, girls at nine years old and gave them the sort of intense training that nine-year-old boys get to become NBA players, probably not. Okay. So, I mean, and I guess like, that's kind of the thing is, um, One of the one of the better uh, videos that I ever watched from uh, like an a, from like HR um, was they brought in people and they were talking about the differences in how people raise uh, boys and girls and boys are um, just taught that you know playing a sport you know you can be angry and competitive but once you're off the field like you can be friends again like you're friends you know and that's kind of like what what boys are raised uh and this was you know maybe 10 years ago now that i watched this video and i don't know how long this video was or how old this video was um but and then they talked about you know little girls usually play t and their whole whole like game gamification of their stuff is to get along with everybody all the time and they're not really taught um not getting along you know sure um, but this is, this is only for sports because like very clearly uh, with the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing, uh, just because boys were raised as boys doesn't mean that they're uh, somehow diplomatic, you know, or, or somehow able to be friends, you know, quote unquote, off the field. Like it doesn't make them better people. Um, it was just more of the how they were raised um, initially. And, you know, as a parent, you know, how do you, do you raise your, your boys and girls differently? Do you treat them the same? Is there something inherently wrong with treating them the same? Is there something, you know, right about not, you know, I don't know. Um, I'm not a psychologist or a early childhood development expert. Um, but it's interesting that you brought up, like if, if you trained, um, your, your girls, the same as you would train your boys, uh, to be a sporting superstar. Uh, would there be any difference? I don't know. There's a lot of women bowlers that are coming up now <clears throat> that have been trained very heavily, and they are very good. Very good. I think that uh, in the next 20 years, 
there'll be female bowlers that can compete with the men on the PBA tour regularly. Their bowling styles have changed. The yeah. way that they're rolling the ball is more aggressive, you know? Yeah. Because traditionally women and men don't even bowl the same. They're not okay. to bowl the same. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so one of my, uh, my, my favorite woman bowler of all time is named Michelle Feldman. And uh, she was the PBA player of the year, PWPA player of the year in 2002, the year before it closed down. Okay. And she threw the ball like a man. First woman that I had ever saw that threw the ball like a man. Yeah. She was phenomenal. And her career was ended. She quit. Uh, I think she went into the bowling industry. She okay. didn't want to play against the men. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, that's her choice, rightfully so. But she was incredible. But now there's a whole group of women that throw the ball like a man, quote unquote. Yeah. And uh, that's not a sexist thing. It's a sexist thing because the women were taught for a long time to roll the ball. Well, because they were taught differently. They were taught differently. Yeah, it's not. It, they were taught to do it differently uh, because young girls aren't as strong as young boys and they can't, you know, cup their wrist and do all these things. And now two handed bowling is coming to play and. No reason why young... I mean, I've seen a lot of videos of young girls throwing two-handed who are very good. Okay. Very good. So, you know, hopefully that trend will continue. Yeah. I think that Michelle Feldman could have beat any man on tour in 2002. She was uh, good. Very good. Well, I just had another thought pop into my head is, you know, like in the 1950s, which is longer ago now than it was, you know, <laughs> 20 years ago. <laughs> but uh, women were primarily the stay-at-home spouse. You know, they'd stay home. They weren't ex- they weren't expected to have jobs. They didn't want jobs, or maybe they did, but uh, society wouldn't allow them to. And uh, you know, they were the child rearers, and and the men were out. You know, and so. And that was, you know, before my my time, uh, for sure. But uh, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, that you know, men have had kind of a, a jump start uh, in a lot of fields. Oh, for sure. And you know, that's not that's not right. But I I can't change that. <laughs> you know, you can't well, change that. Even um, in my field, men have a significant advantage. Because when you're an apprentice, you're their slave. You do what they tell you to do. Yeah. And your family does not matter. You do what you're told. So if they tell you to go 500 miles that direction and you're going to stay there and you're going to work seven days a week, you cannot say no. Otherwise, you're out. Yeah. And they'll find somebody who will. And if you're a 22-year-old woman that has a child, probably not an option for you to do that. Yeah, and yeah, but you know, but it also wouldn't situation. be it also wouldn't be an option for a twenty two year old man who had a child and it was a single single father. Well, how many single fathers have their kids? You know, well, I mean that's a whole other whole that's other a whole thing. other argument. Um, but you, you know, you're much more likely as a single father to be able to do that because of that because of that specifically. You know, yeah, it's a disadvantage uh, in many ways, but in that case, it's an advantage. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not saying. Um, I don't know. I guess like uh, as a father, the parental roles are a little different too. Um, you know, this hasn't happened to me, uh, but a lot of the parenting books that I've read, 
uh, a really good one um, that was, it was written for dads, you know, and he's like, yep, I bring my, my child to the uh, park, you know, during the day and it's all women, uh, mothers with their, with their kids and they come over, oh, are you babysitting today? And he's like, no, no, I'm parenting today. This is my child. I am parenting today just like you are here, you know, but, um, you know, so it goes both ways, you know, it goes both ways. Um, I think, you know, the soccer, the soccer team demanding higher pay. Um, and there are certain, there are certain roles, uh, that men can take that are also kind of that similar societal viewed upon. Sure. Well, I've read up the soccer team because, uh, of the hypocrisy. Well, they, yes, are, a better, the hypocrisy. they are a better team in the women's world and they are getting paid more, Yeah, but they want even more. It's, well, yeah, I understand that you want even more, but don't use your gender as a cudgel to get yeah, do, more. Do it like, you merit. get more because you deserve more because you're a better team. I yeah. understand that, but you are the better team in context, and you're also you also are getting paid more. You know? Yeah, so you had <laughs> a, you are <laughs> you had a, a dart story. Oh, absolutely. And one other, you had one other sport too, maybe. <clears throat> Oh, we can skip it. We can skip it. We'll just go to darts. Okay. Uh, we'll go to darts. I was going to talk about billiards uh, because there's a lot of controversy in billiards. Just women billiards players are getting better and better and better. And um, there is a gender gap in skill with billiards. Okay. And the theory is that a lot of it has to do with what we're talking about, where there's a lot of men who play billiards. There's a yeah. smaller pool or pool of women. But that pool is getting bigger. And the women are getting better. And I mean, the best women are getting way better. And eventually okay. there will just be billiards because there's no reason for there not to be just billiards. Uh, you know, and if yeah. 50 years ago, if women were playing billiards at the same rate as men right now, we would have just billiards, you know? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> and, and I think that, you know, the timeline for every sport will be different, but I think ultimately, eventually it will get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, maybe not every sport. It all de- it depends on a lot of things, you know. Uh, there's more Will we things. ever have uh, women uh, linebackers, you know? I don't know. If, if, maybe. If, maybe if there's a six, you know, six, six woman who's 350 pounds, who's got no fat. Then, yeah, yeah, we. Uh, you know what? I yeah. played. Uh, I played like two years of football in middle school, and I went to a uh, a football camp, and there was a female center, and mm. uh, she was a force to be reckoned with on the field. Uh, I remember that. So, one of my uh, apprentices uh, that I had was a woman, and uh, she was a running back. Okay. In high school football. And uh, she was a very uh, she's good apprentice. I don't know if she was as a running back. She said she was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, mother of four also pretty yeah. uh interesting woman definitely uh tough as a uh, tough as a nail you <laughs> yeah. know i wouldn't want to get into an altercation with her for sure uh <laughs> yeah but uh in any case so <clears throat> darts not so big in the united states yeah unless you're drunk actually... at a bar that has a dartboard <laughs> but right. other than that no yeah i have a dartboard in my house uh, yeah. helped me out a lot during covid i can assure you yeah, I, uh, my brother is a big dart player. He, uh, well, he is very good. He was very, very good before he had other obligations. Yeah, but uh, so darts, male darts in Britain is huge. Okay, 
uh, we're talking 14 million pounds in prize money. Big, okay. Big, big. And women's darts is not. They're yeah. playing for a couple thousand dollars, and the men are playing for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, pounds, but, you know, we're going to say yeah. dollars because we're Americans. Yeah. So, uh, as of and 2020... How, and how many feet away from the dartboard do these British uh, blokes stand? <laughs> I'm going to say 9.6 feet. <laughs> 8.6 feet. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so, as of 2020, there's one... Well, there was a woman that won a major title uh, a couple years ago. And uh, that was huge. But there's actually one woman who is uh, a full-time touring dart pro. Okay. Because there's no ban on women playing. It's just that the pressure kept the women from trying to enter and become a... You have to have a sanctioned professional dart card to play in these tournaments. Okay. And now they have a woman who's playing. And she's doing great. She's making more money on the men's tour than she ever did on the women's tour. Nice. And uh, her, her quote is, I don't want special treatment as the first woman on the men's darts tour, which is a, a kind of a, a lot of these women trailblazers that I've, I've been doing research on. They all have that same attitude. Like they're just out there to compete and to win. And yeah. she's very good. Uh, and she's winning. Like you say, she's winning more money on the men's tour than she did on the women's tour. And uh, they will probably in the future be just a mixed league of the best dart players no matter what you know yeah and that's uh good that's a good thing it's probably gonna increase the the profile of uh that particular sport i would say yeah yeah you gotta think like more people would watch for sure absolutely i know that uh as far as the trans athletes things i don't necessarily think it's fair at this moment in time but i watch when there's a transgendered athlete play because i i want to see what happens <laughs> yeah you and, know, you know it's kind maybe... of like watching a car crash or something in a way which is yeah. kind of a negative way to look at it but it's true <laughs> well it's it's interesting um in a way because they're crossing barriers that otherwise wouldn't be crossed at this moment in time right perhaps right um you know i think it's i think it's good i think the more uh, and this is true of most things, I, I, I think, is the more diversity that you have. Uh, it's certainly in my life, you know, the more people I talk to that have different views or backgrounds or, you know, ways of doing things, um, eventually, and, and by and large, you know, more diversity is a good thing. And even, even in sports, you know, um, there there used to be, I mean, it wasn't a, it was like, what, segregated? Sports were segregated for a long time. And uh, I think that uh, sports have gotten better since since desegregating them. Certainly. Certainly. Uh, as a side note, I have smoked the cigar to the point where the wrapper has fallen off. Okay. And I have approximately half of an inch. And I can uh, officially tell everybody that from light to finish, the cigar had almost no change. But it yeah, was. Mine is very good. consistent. I very still have consistent. maybe three inches left. 
wow, why am I smoking so much faster than you? I suppose I, I got think, it lit. Well, and when, and when you talk about a topic that you're very passionate about, um, you just, you're almost like a chain smoker. Um, I am a chain smoker. I was actually <laughs> going to light up another cigar to help you finish yours off. <laughs> well, I could, uh, you know what? Um, uh, we can keep smoking. You can, you can light up another one. Um, if you want, uh, if we have more to talk about, we can certainly do that. Or, uh, this can be a little bit shorter episode. Oh uh, no. I, I actually, uh, I wanted to bring it up because I, I don't want people to think that I'm bashing women, even though I did talk up women's bowling a lot. Uh, I, I coach kids, uh, FYI, right? I coach kids occasionally, and uh, there are only boys have ever asked me to help them. Uh, not that I, I would, I would gladly uh, coach a girl, but you know, it's just the social dynamics of where I live. The girls are probably not going to ask me; they're going to ask one of the uh, good female bowlers to teach them. But yeah. when they ask me who to watch on what I want them to do, you know, because I force them to practice it, I don't have a hands-off approach. Like I force them to do what I'm telling them to do with yeah. my hands, not like. Not forcing like, the Catholic, them, like forcing them. I'm no, showing not like them. the Catholic Church forces. Yeah, I'm showing boys. them what I want them to do by moving their body, you know, yeah. and having them practice it. And then I, I tell them to go watch certain bowlers on YouTube so they can visualize it to help them. And yeah. I only ever tell them to look at women bowlers, ever. When and you I said they're the experts on the form, on the technical aspects. On the technical aspects. They can't afford to make a mistake. It's just, a, you know, they cannot afford to make a mistake. Yeah. You know, there's several male bowlers. Uh, Mika Koivinemi is one of them. He's an older fella now, but he used to just, when he messed up, he would just grip, grip that ball and loft it and throw it as high and hard as he could at the pins. Yeah. You know, that was his makeup shot because he could do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's like a pretty powerful, you know, uh, shot to be your makeup shot you know he <laughs> but yeah you know when i when i have them watch uh people i have them watch the women because they are so technically skilled uh way better than i am obviously that's <laughs> <But laughs> just the nature of the beast i suppose but i did have uh because I, I don't want i don't want uh our listener to think that i'm i'm attempting to woman bash uh, even though it may may have sounded like that to a certain extent, I actually uh, went into my little research and I I knew about these two women who were war heroes uh, from before, and I just brought up their names, and uh, we can talk a little bit about them because they don't have movies about them, which they should, and yeah. that kind of ties into what we talked about uh, last week. And what are you smoking now? I grabbed a Cohiba Black, which is uh, a rather narrow gauge, uh, a little bit longer than a Rothschild. Just a little, little short smoke. I'm guessing that'll take me about as long to smoke this as you're going to smoke. I also think that because I'm cutting them cross-cut, I get a lot of draw. That could be. Yeah. I, uh... I don't know. I'll have to, I'm, you know, we talked about this uh, episode one, but I'll have to, I'll have to try some more crosscut. Oh, I like the crosscut. Nice, smooth drop. I used to do a punch cut. I know I told you that before. Yeah. And I never uh, quite got it to where I didn't mess the end up. 
Yeah. That's the tough thing. Even with the, the straight cut that I do, you know, the uh, guillotine is you really have to get that nice clean cut or else the wrapper starts to kind of undo and um, you're kind of like chewing wrapper when you're smoking. You're right. And I don't like that. I don't like that either. I've gotten pretty good though at, um, at my cut. So, sure. but I, I will, I would like to try more cross cut. So I think for maybe for next episode, I'll do some, some cross cut. Yeah. And, um, I used to do just the one cut, but I noticed that the cigars were smoking unevenly every single time. Okay. And the cross cut seems to allow them to burn better. And with, st- with still the, um, cause you said it was a better flavor even with the V cut. I think so. I think so. So, so with your cross cut is, is you're still getting the flavor benefits, but you're getting a more even, even draw. Yeah. I think so. It could all be in my head. It probably is. <laughs> most most things are. <laughs> most things are, yeah. They're just made up. Oh, Sarah's up here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can, I can here. vouch. I've, I've met Sarah, so Sarah's not just in Mike's head. No, Sarah's not just in Mike's head. <laughs> you ever have she, uh, you ever have those friends or whatever where they have girlfriends, but you've never met them, and so you're like, do you, do you though? Do you really have one? Do you um, really have one? Yeah, yes. and then they're like, ah, no, uh, she goes to a different school, dude. We're thirty. Uh, there's no school. Like, <laughs> she's either real or not. Um, <laughs> yep, she's either real or not. There's only two options here. <laughs> yeah, I remember like the early days of online dating and stuff, and it was like, oh, you have a online girlfriend. Yeah, but she lives in a different state. Yeah, okay. Is is it a she? Is it a he? Is it like an old man? Like we, who nobody knows. Nobody knows. My lighter got a little cold, so now it doesn't want I to I heard. Light. Yeah. Yes. Uh, anyway. You, you grab two sticks. Rub them together. Yeah, I know. I actually have matches up here, but we'll be okay. We'll continue on. <laughs> we'll continue on. All right. Take it away. So, uh, just so that we have some positive female stories. And they're not sports stories. They're war stories. To be topical about Well, and, and if, uh, like our old governor used to say, there's no sport quite like hunting man. Yes. <laughs> I love Jesse. He's so great. I uh, I know that he's not everybody's. Uh, yeah, fun fact about him is he, he doesn't have time to bleed. He doesn't have time to bleed. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to grab some matches. <laughs> As I thought you might. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. So uh, when when technology fails, go old old school. Oh, every time. Every time. Which uh, a lot of the newer generation won't know. You know, I mean, technology fails them, and they don't know anything else. We've been watching a lot of old shows together because I like older shows. Yeah, and. Uh, You see this old technology that Sarah and I recognize, you know? Yep. And uh, it's just like, well, uh, our nephews, you know, even recognize it, let alone uh, like your daughter. Is she going to recognize the old CRT monitors and, you know, uh, well, probably rotary not. phones? And 
Yeah, I mean the CRT monitors; those can those can go away. Um, <laughs> those are never good. Uh, but she loves our turntable. Sure, and that's a technology that's coming back. Yeah, but anyway, so that we're not negative. Yes, we're the war gonna, stories. We're end, we were that... kind of ending on a high note, you know. Yeah, I will pump up the uh, women's bowling for everybody to watch. But uh. Yeah, and I and I think like we're not saying they can't, or no, that I'm not they saying shouldn't they or they won't. You know, um, no, absolutely not. So uh, we're going to talk first about the real life Mulan. Oh yes, uh-huh. let's do that. World War One, a woman named Milunka Savic. Milunka, M I L U N K A. Hard to say her name. I'm not. Uh, I'm not Serbian. I'm sorry. To the Serbian people, not great. But uh, she was born in 1888, and good, good uh, year. Yeah, good, good year if you're going <laughs> to fight in a lot of wars. Yeah. <laughs> so she uh, is the real life Mulan. They sent a uh, conscription notice for her brother. Her brother was kind of a puss. So, uh, in a bad way, not in a good way. Yeah, so she yeah. went, she went to war. So she fought in the first Balkan war, the second Balkan war and world war one, believe it or not. And, uh, she fought in these wars as a man until she got wounded. Then they found out she was a woman and then she, they offered her to be a nurse and she said no. So uh, they basically said, okay, well, you could continue to fight because she was one of the better fighters they had in her unit. <laughs> and uh, she went on to have uh, an incredible career. She captured 23 Bulgari- Bulgarian soldiers single-handedly. She won a whole load of military awards. She's actually the most decorated woman uh, in the history of warfare, as they say. Yes. And she, uh, I mean, she fought in war for, what was it, six years, something like that. Incredible, right? Yeah. Incredible. And there's, you know, everybody can go to her Wikipedia. But uh, bad, badass woman right there. Uh, unreal. And I'm sure there's going to be women coming out of the current conflict over in Ukraine that have a similar story. Hopefully they won't have to hide the fact that they're that they're uh, women, of course. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing is there's lots of great people that can do great things. And sometimes those things get lost because people want to focus on the wrong aspects of the story, maybe. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, she's definitely awesome. Uh, uh, also, later in life, she was, uh, this is great, because she fought in this in these wars and she got all these awards. Uh, France offered her citizenship and a retirement. No, she went back to Serbia. Uh, she, ado- she had a child 
She adopted three more abandoned girls and she raised them uh, in uh, Serbia throughout World War II and uh, everything else. And uh, so the Germans rolled through Serbia, obviously. Yeah. And uh, there's conflicting accounts. But the moral of the story is that the Nazis wanted to use her in their propaganda. She refused. So they put her in a concentration camp. And she survived the concentration camp. Okay. <laughs> and uh, she was given a pension by the USSR after she, after the war. And uh, she kind of uh, ran a little orphanage and okay. uh, kind of uh, devoted her life uh, to serving people less fortunate than herself after being uh, an incredible war hero and an anti-Nazi, a real anti-Nazi. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you see if she ever wrote any, I'm sure there's like a, a book or a couple of books maybe on her. Um, did she ever write anything about her time, her story? You know what? I do not know. I do not know. I should have looked that up. I suppose that would have been uh that would have been a good thing to look up before you uh, asked it. <laughs> well, we could know? look it up after. We can look it up after. Um, I, I, yeah, I asked because, like, you know, Victor Frankel, um, he was in the concentration camps, and he wrote a lot of books. I mean, he was a um, psychologist, I believe, beforehand, um, but he wrote a lot of accounts, you know, Man's Search for Meaning um, and a lot of other books. So I was just curious, uh, somebody with a background like hers would be very interesting to read anything that they wrote. Um, oh, absolutely. Just to get their perspective. Absolutely. Uh, I, I do not believe that she did, by the way. I just looked it up okay. quick. Uh, I don't know why, you know, maybe in the political times of today, having a Serbian war hero who is in the USSR, you know, probably in America is never a good time. But I can't believe that with all this... Uh, they want female stories in Hollywood, and I understand that. But why don't they have legitimate badass women? Then there's there's been throughout history a number of badass women. Yeah, this is a badass warrior woman, even better, you know. Uh, and she's got a heart of gold and all that, you know. Yeah, fought the Nazis, fought multiple wars, just a a lifetime of kicking ass, so to speak, more than I'll do in my life. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not going to capture any. Uh, what was it, Bulgarian? Yeah, troops? Bulgarian troops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm not running an orphanage, or yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing any of those things that she did. You know, uh, which is uh, you know says more about me than it should. But uh, <laughs> uh, different yeah, time. I mean, born in 1888. So mm -hmm. you had one more. I, once heard it said that there was a whole group of people that were born on this earth and they didn't know it at the time, but their purpose in life was to kill Nazis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do have one more. Uh, this woman is Lyudmila Pavlichenko. And she uh, is a college professor, uh, historian, woman after my own heart. Uh, she also... Uh, happened to be born in 1916. Okay, interesting time to be born in uh, in Russia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when she was in college, World War uh, Two broke up, and she volunteered 
uh, as an infantryman. Okay. And they wouldn't let her into the straight infantry, but she in college was a marksman and took several classes. So she became a sniper. Okay. She had 309 confirmed deaths, 36 of which were sniper on sniper specialty shooting. Okay. And that's and that like the hardest sniper. 19- the hardest sniper role that's- to do is sniper against sniper. Yep. Yeah. She's a pro. She's a pro. She uh, should have, could have had more, should have had more. But in 1942, she was injured, and the Soviet government uh, pulled her off the lines, and she actually did a worldwide tour, kind of uh, like a USO tour, like a propaganda tour. And uh, she met the president, first Soviet citizen to meet the president of the United States, and a hell of a lady, you know. After the war, she uh, finished her college degree and worked for the government. And uh, yeah. Worked as a researcher for the Navy and all that wonderful stuff. She died very young, drank herself to death, allegedly. Okay. Allegedly. Yeah. Which, well, I mean, you know, 309 kills. Um, I don't know. You got to you gotta cope with that some way. Oh, yes. The Eastern Front uh, of the First and Second World War had a lot of stories of uh, badass women. Uh a lot of stories, but these are two that stuck out to me because they, they're above and beyond. I mean, yeah, uh, we're talking one of the best snipers ever. It just happens yeah. to be a woman, right? Coincidentally, also a college professor, like I'm guessing super smart person. Yeah. You know, did, did she write anything? I mean, as a college professor, she I believe more apt that to... she did write an autobiography. I believe that she did. I will check that, but I think she did. I know that her husband, uh, her second husband died in the war, and she had some issues with that. Okay. Uh, He was also a sniper. And she was a sniper trainer. I've heard, uh, they've they've speculated how many Nazis died directly because of her training as well. Oh, She trained a lot of uh, people. Yes, Lady Death, The Memoirs of Stalin's Sniper. All right, I'm so, definitely going to check that one out. Yes. So, quick weird, too. It's only 380 pages. So, very good. But, yeah, you know, like I said, I don't want to make it all negative. Uh, never uh, never a good thing to be negative, negative, negative. No, and I don't, you know, I don't think it's negative um, based on sex or gender, just the um, the current realities, I suppose. Right. I'm a big fan of accepting reality as it is and trying to improve on it. You can't just deny reality. Yeah, and you and you can't deny history and you, you know, um, and we talked about that last episode a little bit, too, is you can't you can't change history um, just because it doesn't fit with what you wanted to say. Um, either, you know, you just have to look at it and go from there. You know, if you don't learn from it, then you repeat it as the, as the quote goes. Um, absolutely. How was the smoke? Good, good. Yeah, I, uh, I'm done. Uh, but yeah, it was consistent all the way through. There we go. Very nice cigar. Yes. I think, um, I don't know, the best one we've smoked on the show so far. Oh, I would agree. 
I like those. I like those series are. They're uh, not necessarily light on the pocketbook, but uh, no, no. But it was worth it. Um, definitely worth it. You know, if you wanted, if you normally don't smoke that that cost of a cigar, uh, you know, and you want to smoke something really good uh, and not take a risk on, you know, because you could you could you could drop a lot of money on a cigar and not like it. Uh, just because it's expensive doesn't mean it's it's worthwhile. Uh, and this one isn't uh, expensive in terms of the grand grand scheme of cigars <laughs> in the world. Um, but it is a little more than, you know, I usually spend on a stick. But right. it was, yeah, it was I, well I, I wouldn't worth want to it. Mow, I wouldn't want to spend 16 bucks on a stick and go mow the lawn. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, highly my, my, recommended. Uh, he was doing swimmingly. We'll have to smoke one on a show. I'm not going to give any uh, notes. Okay, no notes on the Cohiba. No notes. Um, no notes. But we do enjoy the Series R. So if, if you see one and uh, you want to have a nice uh, sit-down smoke, uh, grab one of those. And uh, we're going to smoke something different uh, next episode. Absolutely. Have we decided what we're going to get? Uh, we have that uh, that Maduro, the un, unlabeled one. Yeah, that'd be a nice little uh, contrast, you know. Let's try that because I think that was, you know, five or six bucks. So yeah, five or six bucks unlabeled, just uh, uh, basically a bin cigar at a cigar shop. Yeah, which can go bad or can go wrong. I I don't think I've ever had it either. Yeah, I I know I've never had it. So uh, I I know I have a few because I bought a few. But uh, yeah, it'll it'll be a good counterpoint um, to this one, you know, Uh, because it's interesting because with lots of things, it's not. It's not you, price isn't a good indicator. Uh, it can be, you know, but it's certainly not the end all be all. Sure, I, I've had uh, Johnny Walker Blue, which is two hundred dollars a bottle. Yep, and I've had Johnny Walker Black, which is fifty dollars a bottle, and I don't think either one is better than Whistler, which is twenty five dollars a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really good one. Uh, quite I like, like it. Whistler, yeah. So, all right. All right. Well, thanks for listening and we'll be back.